Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Solomon Moshewitz, and today we're studying Masechet Eruvin Daf Vav, Tractate Eruvin 6a and 6b. Since this is my last time to learn with you, I can't resist philosophizing just a little at the end. Under what circumstances do the sages rule more stringently than the halacha requires? Who are the fools who walk in darkness? When do you have to obey a heavenly voice, and when can you ignore it? This daf will help us understand. In order to be considered separate from Rashut HaRabim, the public domain, a space has to be effectively separated from it. If the walls defining the space are breached, then that separation is compromised. Rav Chanin Barava cites Rav as allowing a breach up to ten amot in the side of the Mavoy, provided the breach isn't too near the entrance a lenient view. Rav Huna believes that Rav holds a more stringent view. He says to Rav Hanin, don't argue with me, I was in a town where I actually saw Rav rule that you couldn't carry in a mavoy with such a big breach. The answer? The people of that town were generally lax in observing the mitzvot, so Rav got tough with them to get them in line, and ruled more stringently than he actually thought was correct. Why these guys are tough. You need some background for the next discussion. There are two types of mavois. The mavoi satum, one which is closed off, in the sense that the only way out of it is the way you came in. And a mavoi mefulash, an alleyway that's a through route. You enter from the public domain, you keep going, and at the other end, you exit back into a different part of the public domain. Shmuel holds that a mavoi mefulash, a through route, can't be fixed for carrying by means of a korah or lechi but needs to be closed off by actual doors. Rav holds that you don't need an actual door for a mavoi mefulash, that a Koran and lechi are good enough, so he's not as stringent as Shmuel about how to fix it for carrying. Enter the strange case of the mavoi akum, the crooked alley. Instead of leading through, it makes two left turns and winds up in the public domain again, not far from the first entrance. Think of it as a squared-off U-shaped passage with the upper ends of the U as the two entrances. Does this count as satum, closed, a blind alley, or mefulash, a through route? Now, Rav holds that such a mavoi counts as a mavoi mefulash, but he doesn't require doors even for a mavoi mefulash. Shmuel holds that it counts as a mavoi satum, so it doesn't need doors, according to him, either. So, Rav is more stringent about the classification, Shmuel is more stringent about what you do for a mafulash. But both would agree, for different reasons, that a mavoi akum doesn't require doors. Now, it turns out that in the city of Neherda, there was such a mavoi. What did the townspeople do? They put doors in the passageway. So, they ruled according to neither Rav nor Shmuel. They ruled in accordance with strict views of each. They agreed with Rob's stringent ruling that it counts as a mefulash, 
And they agreed with Shmuel's stringent ruling that a mfulash requires doors. The Gemara asks, Do we apply two stringencies from different authorities? Either follow Rav or follow Shmuel. They cite a Tosefta which states, Whoever picks the lenient rulings of Beit Hillel and the lenient rulings of Beit Shammai is wicked. What about someone who follows the stringent rulings of Beit Shammai and the stringent rulings of Beit Hillel? To such a person they apply the passage from Ecclesiastes, The fool walks in darkness. Either follow Hillel's rulings or follow Shammai's rulings. Spoiler alert! The Gemara will conclude on the next off that it's okay to pick stringent, stringent rulings from different authorities as long as the two rulings don't conflict logically. Well, back to the issue. The Gemara asks, how can anyone elect to follow Shammai after a batkol, a heavenly voice, proclaimed that we should adopt Hillel's rulings? One answer that was proposed was that the Tosefta represents the view of Rabbi Yehoshua who, in the famous confrontation with Rabbi Eliezer about the serpentine oven, the favorite Agadah of all liberal Jews, Rabbi Hoshua rejects the authority of the heavenly voice. Tosafot explained, though, that you can reject the heavenly voice only when it supports a minority view, as in the case of the serpentine oven, but not when it supports the majority view. I wonder why the heavenly voice bothers then. In traditionally observant communities, it's considered wrong to go shopping around for opinions like with doctors. You commit to an authority and do whatever he, and it's always a he, decides in all instances. This practice goes against our community's valuing of autonomy, which is why what we call halakha is fundamentally different from what halakha has been traditionally. To be halachic was the honorable fulfillment of a code of behavior that you didn't choose, but chose you. This plays out in strange ways. For example, it's a principle of classical halacha that gadol mitzuveva oseh, misha'eno mitzuveva oseh, one who performs a commandment out of obligation, gets more points than someone who does it because he or she feels like it or wants to. This is quite the opposite of our sensibility. Traditional halakha is not just a list of rules, but a list of rules with teeth that is imposed on you. If I lived in Borough Park and my wife Deborah wore pants, the neighbors would rebuke her, then me, and then my business wouldn't be so I-I-I, and then we'd have to move out. Imposition is considered a good thing. A radical expression of this idea is the traditional commentary on a passage from Psalms, Sas anochi al imratecha kemotsei shalal rav. I rejoice in your pronouncements as one who finds a great treasure. The rabbis say, we could apply this to the brit milah, circumcision. Why? Because a boy grows up and at some point realizes that he's been circumcised. That's the treasure he finds. Why is it such a great treasure? Because this was a mitzvah you fulfilled without any act of will on your part. It was imposed, forced on you. Isn't that wonderful? Most of us have a tough time resonating to that. The frum, the religiously observant, have a derisive term for someone who has left the derech and is no longer frum. Frei, free. Free is a bad thing. Free means you're without meets and bounds, without foundation, almost without personhood. You're free as a driven leaf, 
without mooring, spiritually homeless. A free person is pathetic, somebody to be pitied. This view clashes with our dearest contemporary societal values. As a community, we have gained autonomy, but it came with a price. Thank you for sharing an hour or so of your life learning together with me. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.